Sticks are great. Happy spooky season, guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm Andy Alvin, and I'm here to talk about medieval theater and how it's different from theater today. So before we begin, let's really go over the usual, like I always do. Like I said, every podcast, when we think of theater, we think of actors, plays, and sets, and obviously so much more. But back in the day, theater was more simple. Not as much work was put into it. In today's podcast, we're going to really break down the different phases of medieval theater and how it developed into today's society. Our grand question of the day is, what is mortality play? Stay tuned to find out. So, shall we begin? Back in medieval times, they they really grew through throughout time. So, like between 500 to 1350 to 14,000 to 1550, theater began to develop on a different timeline. So, during this time, the Western Roman Empire really fell down, like super downhill around like 1476. I mean, not 1476, 476. Um, the Eastern Empire, um, Constant, Constantine, I'm going to say Constant because I cannot pronounce the whole thing. Constant was as a capital function until like 1453 in Basitanium. Theater of Basitanium became like a Roman Empire theater. The Hippodrome in Constant um, conditionally really flowed through the theater of different popular entertainment. It preserved manuscripts of classical Greek theater. So again, they're all connecting in form. So like we talked about Greek theater, we talked about the manuscripts of Greek theater and how it all developed. And now it's coming to, it traveled, the Greek theater, Greek dramas traveled into now medieval theater. So these manuscripts were trans- transferred to the Western world to fuel the Renaissance. So going into the early Middle Ages, also known as the Dark Ages, which was an era of 500 to 1000 CE, um, in this era time period, they had just got into the Roman Catholic Church, the Latin versus Van Curler language. Um, Charlemagne was introduced into the world, um, to this not world, to this like era from 768 to 814. So now we're going to talk about these performances that they brought. So we, previously we've talked about performances like on stage and performance like a tragedy, you know, a tragedy, a comedy, all these different types of plays. But now there's more of a different way of performing in this medieval time. So they had traveling troops, they had comedians, they had acrobatics, they had like maybe like a similar sort of circus entertainment. But all of this, they were attacked by the church officials because they thought this was not, it was against religion, it was against the beliefs of many different things at that time they believed in. So, but in the church, they really used the songs like singing and storytelling but on the other side of it, there's like festivals that included dance, a stimulating battle, and basically a mime. So now going up a few years from 1000 to 14,000, which was the medieval, the high medieval ages, 
And this was the development of architectural mechanical inventions. This really built a big feudalism between a lot of people. Like there was lords and counts, vassals or lesser lords, and it was peasants or serfs. And if you really think about it, it's like the um, their social rank. And if you put it like today's social rank, lords and counts were the rich. Vassals and lesser lords are like the high, middle, and then low, middle class. And then the peasants or serfs are just like the poor and then the homeless. So then they really wanted to rebirth this town. So they decided to add guilds, add more universities. And in those universities, they added a study of religion to really educate these young minds about the religion and what's believe and those beliefs of what they wanted to believe. So now we're in still in the Middle Ages, really in the Western part of Europe, which is the Horse Vitaha or Horse Vitaha. I think I say Horse Vita. But it was between 935 and 1001 C. So in this era, there's really try to include more females. So, like, earliest known female of this like dramatic time was Ganderishim in Germany. And they were influenced by Terence. Um, he, they really twisted up a little bit to really speak more of like a Christian storyline, but it was never performed, sadly. But the significance of the plays that they performed, not really performed, but like talked about and analyzed, were very formal, competition. The themes and subject matters were very matter of like medieval mystery and mortality plays the relationship to the customary of feminism theories were really involved so before we continue talking about more about like this medieval time let's really get into talking about what a mortality play is so they called it mortality play because it's an argot arg original play not original allegorical play called a drama which was popular in europe especially during the 15th and 16th century which the characters personally perform mortal qualities such as a charity or vice um their attractions were death or youth and it was like a moral lesson to be taught to younger viewers or to people learning about you should appreciate your youth and appreciate death because death is like behind you or something. They're trying to say like, death is coming. Like, don't be afraid of death, but always be proper of your youth. So basically that's what a mortality play is, which I kind of find oddly interesting. So now going more into the medieval time of this era they really wanted to put a place so you're wondering where they put their plays in so they originally performed in these only like monasteries that opened up so it was like a mansion or a pletum these mansions on a view at the same time they were viewed at the same time so they were like very open very like 
how do I put it? They were just open and they had a lot of space to include a lot of people to see the performance. So in these like little areas where they like had their time, their sections. So like, you know, there was like the players, like the celebrity, the choir members, the students performed. So like the people of the church performed. So like the Catholic school students performed all the roles. And of course they had the choir people who sang at the church, sing the backgrounds, you know. They have vestments as costumes. So I'm wondering what a vestment is. So if you're wondering what a vestment is, we're going to find out. So a vestment costume is, let's see what a vestment costume is. We're actually Google searching it right now because literally we do not know. I forgot to include this into the um, to the thing. And I was just like came upon it and I was like, what is a vestment costume? I was going to look it up earlier and I was like, vestment costume. Vestment costume. Let's see. Enter. Vestment costume. Oh, so it's like. I don't know what it's like. I mean, looking at the images. It looks like, you know, like something the Pope would wear, really, or. I really do, it's like, um, I mean, I'm going to insert a picture, obviously. But, oh, okay, so, looking at the pictures and looking further into it, it's basically something the priest would wear. And it's like a white or multicolored. Like, it's, there's a white one, there's a gold one, there's a purple one, there's a red one, and a gold. And it's usually wear by the Roman Catholic churches. So, I mean, that's what it is. I'll insert a picture so you guys can, like, look at it. So, Getting deeper into this whole thing. So more plays were surviving. Documents from medieval France were getting put into it. There were two versions of the biblical story of Daniel. The play of Adam or the mystery of Adam was formed. They had six surviving 13th century plays. Mixed of series of Christian matters, a comedic matter, more of a secular serious type of material and the vecular religious drama and the Latin drama at the same time. So there were all different types of plays that they were creating. And some of them were going at the same time. Some of them were together and like breaking them apart. So now we're the development of religious vecular drama. These were debates of like origins that they formed some moved from inside to outside churches. I'm going to say churches, churches. They grew into elaborate stage. Inside grew to cost for the church. So basically, they if they formed a play, they would ask the public to pay to come see the play. So this really build the church's um, build the church's publicity. And a lot more people started attending church to see these plays. Church officials opposed to using holy spaces for theater. They were not for using it, so they were against using... The churches were against them for using these plays inside a holy area. So they decided to spread it out into more of an open space. 
This developed immediately from liquidical plays between 13,000, 1,350 and 1,550 religious religions, regular dramas presented outside of the church in the European countries. And these categories include mystery or a cycle of plays. And again, mortality plays, but we just learned what's, what it is. So a mystery or cycle play is basically a mystery of religious service or office that dramatizes a series of biblical events or stories connected to the Bible. A cycle is a number of plays presented in a sequence. Yeah, I knew that was. So basically, a mis- the mystery, right, that's what it is. The mystery play is basically a dramaticized series of biblical events or stories like connected to the Bible. So basically like a moral or a lesson, basically. They were usually performed outdoors in an outdoor stage. And usually it was a comedy or a spectacle. More of the cycle is more of a comedy or spectacle. And then the biblical event drama was more of like a serious type matter or a lesson taught so in the english cycle of dramas they had this thing called the second shepherd's play and the town cycle had 41 plays the york cycle had 48 plays the town leakley and the wakefield cycle had 32 plays the chester cycle had 21 plays so they all played the same play, the second shepherd's play, like in this era. They played it like four they like they played it in those times, like how many times they played it. So now it's the emergence of an exotic form. They started having multiple locations and times. So you've really started to get famous around this period. So they started to travel, they started to like set times for the plays. Like, similar to now, like, you know, there's, like, one specific location now. Of course, it's New York, and they have, like, their plays, and people go out to see their plays, and there's go online and check their ticket pricings and everything. And it's sometimes the plays from New York come to, like, different parts of the county or state to travel. So they really, we really took the idea of having a location at a certain time, and then now traveling with it around. They had mixes of comedies and serious elements. They had multiple plot lines, many characters. Um, they were like really exploring a theme going on. Now they're producing the cycle plays. So basically, the trade guilds um, were trying to like find financial and scheduling. They slept at the church overnight. Um, their plays are produced like once every two or ten years. Some plays lasted days, even nights. Um, announcements and processions were a few days beforehand so people could pay and attend. Um, so performers, amateurs, or some of the professionals gender verified, doubling minimal rehearsals and typecasting. So they just went with the flow. They really didn't care who was into it so they said oh you want to join you could join oh you're a girl definitely you could join or oh yeah we're doing a double take so you could join like we'll switch off 
they didn't care. They were professionals or they were like just like amateur people who didn't know how to act, but they wanted to get away from a property. So a lot of people in this time were kind of was like, you know, like I said, they said before, it was like, you know, they had the high class and they're like the really, really poor class. So a lot of these performers were people, homeless people who wanted to find a home, obviously. And they just traveled along with the crew and got involved into performing. And that's how a lot of these performers got discovered and out of the streets, really. So now my favorite part, we're getting into the costumes. I love costumes. So costuming was really more likely provided, more likely they provided their own costume. Let's put it that way. They provided their own costumes. So whatever they found, they made it out of. Um, God was costumes as a Pope. Angels wore church vestments and wings were attached. Common characters wore like common rank clothing, like typical clothing, like they would wear in that time period. Or common characters wore clothing from earlier periods. You know, so there was like, it was really more of like a basic form. There was not really a lot of effort put into these costumes because really they had formed. So this is where I feel like we got the idea of making our own costumes. And this is how like the fashion designer really came to be, I feel. I really feel like how this is like the costume designers really came to be. And it's a good thing because bringing, again, this time, like all these periods we're learning about really showing how costumes and props involved. And I feel like this era has really shown how fashion and aka the costumes really involved because like they're creating their own costumes from like whatever they've, the script they got or they don't have a script or they're like just improving. Like, oh, Maybe the character could wear like this, you know, because he's a royal. So we could like maybe get like a silky, like, you know, silky cloak or like a cape. And then they can make a crown out of like, you know, cardboard. They're really forming the ideas of creating, so creating their costumes. And that's how today is like, oh, so then we have like the, the director and the fashion designer and the producers read the play. And the director's like, oh, so you're jotting down the idea like yes they got it so let's say the character today's um a royal king okay but like a modern day royal king so like oh who's gonna wear like you know a red military type cuffling like you know the one in england and have like his badges on the thing and like khaki pants and maybe a crown and then using all like those silks and things like that you know so it's really gun-wrenching to like really getting to the point where today how costumes were designed back then are kind of like the way costumes are designed now. Um, so now there's a, the props, getting to the prop part. Props, costumes, and stage directions were for some survive, basically. They verified approaches of costumings. They had this thing called the pageant master, which was like supervised mounting of plays and wagons. The duties included finding people to construct scenery um, as well as seating for the audience. So basically this person was like the stage manager, you could say. Here's a different name, page, pageant, 
pageant master is basically the stage manager. Like, going back to the props, because I really didn't mention about props, but I guess their props were also uh, handmade, so they use whatever they find to make their props. So now going back into the stage manager, again, aka pageant master, their duties included, like I said, finding finding a scenery, finding places to be seated, um, supervising the building of the stage, positioning machines and scenery, selecting and rehearsing performers, disciplining performers, and assigning people to collect money at the entrance. And of course, narrating. So they were the narrator. On top of that, they did all these stuff, which again is basically what a stage manager is, except narrating, I don't think. So now this is going through the stages of professional staging. So the audience assembled in various places. So the audience could be behind the stage, in front of it, across from it, you know, verifying, whatever. The cycle play was really set on a wagon that moved from local to locale. There was multiple theories, like there's a two wagons acting on a wagon. One story says that a wagon was acting on a street. Another one says that the wagon procession pulled by a stationary stage or on top of an actual performance. So it was really kind of hectic if you tell me, ask me, because people were coming all these whole much theories like, oh, yeah, there's another wagon on top of the wagon to make it taller so we can all see. Or there's like, you know, there's so much theories going on. People were like going like, oh, no, like, they were just like rumors basically spreading. So now, later on, they discovered having a stationary staging where a series of small scenic mansions side by side to perform their performances. And it was basically a portrait of an abandoned Roman amphitheater they basically used, they, that was used. So they decided to, like, use it. But it was abandoned. It was, like, already all broken down. But again, they thought, hey, instead of moving to a wagon and performing a wagon, why don't we just perform at a specific location? And if they want to travel, we could use the wagon again to travel to get people to come to the actual stage. So usually it was an outdoors. It was Heaven and Hell Mansions, which were called the Heaven and Hell Mansion. It verified audience, communications. It was a neutral platform stage where everybody could see the performance. But again, there were secrets that really helped, not really helped, made them struggle. Um, there was floods. The secret master, he was in charge of like, if there was like a flood, he would like, you know, have to like help people evacuate. Flying actors, he was in charge of making sure the actors were flying if they had to fly or something. Trap doors, if like the actor had to like fall down the trap door, they were in charge of that. Um, the halo effect. So there are effects like, I don't know what a halo effect is. I think I do, but I forgot what it is. But, you know, if you do know what it is, then, yeah, halo effect. I don't know what that means. So I really can't explain it. I, I think I know what it means, but then I think I don't know what it means. But that's a halo effect. Um, music. They had choirs, individual group that performed songs, or professional musician. Mu yeah, musician. I cannot talk today musician who would come and perform so usually these mortality plays like we talked about was um, teach to basically teach a moral lesson 
Um, it had characters to undertake a journey. So, like, let's say the character had a really serious problem, and it was, like, super tragic. Like, you know, their... The whole lesson, let's say, okay, the whole lesson was, you know, to... What's a good moral lesson? Okay, let's put it, the boy who cried wolf. That's a moral lesson, to teach children not to lie. You know? So, like, guys, they really picked a storyline and, like, oh, let's put this into it. Like, oh, so let's make a lesson to teach people not to lie. This is an example. Um, they usually have station dramas where they debate whether religious or it was a religion or not religious. Um, they highly developed between England, like we said, in the front 14,000 to 15,050. Um, it was very popular in European countries. And they had this one play called The Castle of Preferences, which actually went through 25 years, actually. It was from 14,000 to 14,025. It was called The Castle of Presence. And there's other play called Every Man. And it was in the late 15th century. So it was like the bit after this play. So like they had a really good running. Um, these plays, the mortality plays, were usually performed by professional performers. So now we're getting more into a deeper thinking about these mortality plays. Like we just got like a brief explanation, like I from our source. But um, going to the PowerPoint, okay. Thank you to Professor Long for really getting deep into it, and it's just so fun reading what he writes and just like summarizing it, analyzing what I'm interpreting and what I'm seeing from the picture and what I'm getting from my source it really just like grudges into it and like really controversial things i love that so it was a similar type thing there was similar staging in the cycle plays let me talk and then neutral performances so really i think i like medieval theater i mean i saw like roman theater because of the shoes but i mean i like this one better because of one specific reason. I think it's just because... I don't know why, but I just like it. I just think it's... They're more independent on their performances. And it really just brings the circus. I just love circuses. So, I mean, I think that's how it builds. So, later on, the comic and sometimes irrelevant or wandering Mitsunil's mimes, jugglers, and rope dancers were attacked by the church as a pagan. Wow. Festivals were included. They called it May Day games and the pagan activities, even by the Christians. So basically, the Christians attended the festival but didn't like the performances. That doesn't make no sense. But whatever. So they started adding more plays into this time more plays became more introduced to these to this time period like folk plays which was a non-religious type play it was very stretched out it was really stretched out you know um and so yeah so after analyzing all of this forms and ideas and how it really developed into theater 
today, I feel like getting to know the different elements of how they went through to form the theater today we have. Like, I just learned that a pa- um, there's a different name for stage manager, pageant manager, pageant master, pageant ma- yeah, pageant master. And they had to do more stuff than a stage manager has to do. Like, the contra- like not controversy, like the similarities they had. Um, we also learned what a mortality play is and basically a lesson to tell a story, which we have those now, actually. Like, some Broadway shows actually tell a lesson. Like, Aladdin tells a lesson to be careful what you wish for. Or, well, that's a different moral lesson. I don't know, but similar. Like, you know, be careful what you wish for. To never lie. To always tell the truth. Um, all these different types of ideas that we got informed really build what today is. So... I mean, that's my podcast pretty much, guys. I mean, I didn't really have... I just went with it. I really didn't have a script to go with it. But I I had the beginning. So, I mean... Oh, my gosh. I'm running out of time. But, yeah. So, thank you guys so much for listening to my podcast. Um, Have a great, great time. If you're watching, listening to this day, night, whatever you guys are listening to this, thank you so much for listening. And it was a great time talking to you guys. And I guess, like I say, happy spooky season. And have a blessed weekend.